And so today, it's all going to be about the action, the response of those things, of that side of this. Right, today we're going to take some practical steps toward action in our thankfulness to God for his blessings. Listen, right, that is why I'm going to ask everybody who calls the foundry their home, who is uh, forging their life on God, to do something today, to make a commitment today before you leave here this afternoon. And that's the commitment, right, to commit to tie 10% of my income to God through the foundry. Now, let's all take a deep breath. All right? All right? Because I know that a certain number of you are immediately thinking, ah, there, there it is. All right? It's just a, a series of sermons to get me to give money to the church. And if this is your first Sunday here, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Right, but let me assure that those uh, who have been here a while and they are, are, are entering into this series, this is not just a way to get money from you. In fact, next week we're going to talk about two ways to keep and to grow our money by paying off personal debt and building personal wealth according to the word of God, the God that we forge our life on. Right, because it is not a sin to accumulate wealth in our lives. So this series is not about just getting give money. It's this. We want something for you. Right? With everything that we have, we want something for you and not just something from you. Right? So, so Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Right? And we're in that season, aren't we? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And today, I want to show you why that's the case today. All right, so can we, can we do that, church? Can we do that, Foundry? Right, before we dive in, I want to make sure that we get a quick definition out of the way. When you hear the word tithe, know this. Right, tithing means 10%. Now, now, I'm not great at math. Heck, I'm, I'm horrible at math. But I can figure out 10%. You just move the decimal place one spot to the left. Right? So if 100, we give 10. Right? So that's the definition. We all, we're all on the same page. So let's talk about why 10% is so important to God. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And if you don't have a Bible... Please use the Bibles in the seats in front of you. I'm going to be in a lot of different scriptures, so I'm going to put those on the screen except for this main one, because as always, I want you to turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, you can use those Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to use, to take. Uh, you can take a couple and give them away uh, to your friends, to your family. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 is where we're going to be today. All right, let me read it here. It says, will man rob God? You are robbing me, but you say, how have you robbed, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Verse 9 says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, 
if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessing until there is no need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. All right, keep it open right there. All right, Malachi is the last book in the Testament. The very last book in the Old Testament. It is the last prophet God sends before he sends Jesus to redeem the world. Right? It's the, the last prophet before a, a time period of 400 years of silence. And the book of Malachi sums up the whole Old Testament and what it's been pointing to. God's people cannot be faithful to the covenant. God's people just struggle being faithful. The people of God just can't seem to get it together. They failed again and again, right? The Old, Old Testament is like a roller coaster, including when it comes to tithing. Now, by the end of Malachi, by the end of the book, we see that God, our Lord, our Father God, our Creator God, promises to redeem a remnant and, and he sends a, he's going to promise to send a Messiah to fill completely those covenant promises that he's been making. But we're, we're kind of picking up before that point with what we just read, verses 8 through 12. Right? So, all right, I'm going to ask someone for all the, to start here, this is what I'm going to do. All right, before we, we, uh, before we get into this, I'm going to ask someone for all the money that they have. All right? Everyone's not making eye contact now. <laughs> Christian's making eye contact. Let me see your whatnot. All right. All right Daniel, I was going to ask for all the money that he has. All right? So, so I'm getting all this money. Everyone just took a big sigh of relief, right? <laughs> so I have all this cash, right? I'm just going to hang on to it for, for a minute. All right? Now, is this all the money you have? for the most part. All right, listen. Just wanted to make sure. There's a few reasons that Daniel could, could have given me this money. He could have just given it to me because he's just a super generous person and he just figured that I needed it, right? I, I'm traveling this week. And he's like, you know what? You're going to need this. Right? He could just be super generous in that way. Or maybe he just wanted to look extra spiritual in front of all of us, right? He's like, you know what? I'm, he jumped right up. I'm going to look super extra spiritual in front of everybody, so I'm going to just going to give him money that I have. He said it, boom, I'm there. All right, so maybe that's it. But none of those reasons are the reason why he gave me all of this money. Daniel, why did you give me all of this money? Because I told you to. All right. It's because it's not your money anyways, right? Whose money is it? My money, <laughs> right? In this illustration, right? It's, it's, it's my money, right? And so I gave it to Daniel, right? And I said, give me this at some point in the sermon. 
right? Just give it back to me, right? See, so, so Daniel, he didn't have to wrestle with the fact, uh, he didn't have to wrestle back and forth with this idea in his mind about whether or not to give me the money. He didn't have to wonder if, if his bills are going to be paid at the end of this month. He didn't have to wonder how he was going to get gas in the car when he left here today. He didn't have to worry about a turn table for Thanksgiving. He didn't wrestle back and forth with this money, like what to do with it, because the money was his in the first place, he knew that he was just holding whose money? He was just holding my money for a little bit until I asked for him to give it back, right? So that's the first thing we learned from that passage that we read. It's this, and Daniel actually answered it right, right? God owns everything, right? God owns everything. God holds nothing back in this passage. He tells the Israelites they are what to him? They're robbing him. They're robbing him. <laughs> right? God holds nothing back. Right? He, he points out directly to their lack of tithing. How can withholding our money be robbing God is the question that I ask. Well, it's because it's not our money in the first place. God owns everything. Right? Tithing is not giving God anything. Tithing is just returning to God a portion of what he has given us. Are we tracking? Because Daniel just made a mistake. You could have just gave me 10% back. <laughs> All right. No, I'm just teasing. All right. So did we hear that though? We don't give a tithe. Right? When, when we are a part of a local church and, and we give our tithes and our offerings that's above that percent, right? When we give our tithes, we don't give it. We actually do what with it? We return a tithe. Right? We're, we're, like, we're like Daniel. We're just holding the money until God asks for us to return it. Right? Do, you, do you know how freeing that is? Right? For me, it's freeing to know that God owns everything. We are, we are owners who have to, we're not owners who have to bear that weight. Right? We don't have to worry about the upkeep or the maintenance. We don't have to worry about losing something. We don't have to worry about maintaining what we have and growing what we have because we're stewards, right? Well, then when we're a steward, we remove the weight from our backs and we put it back on the true owner of whatever it is, right? We remove that burden and we give it back to the true owner. One of my favorite, Randy Acorn, Alcorn puts it this way. He says this, tithing isn't something we do to clear our conscience so we can do whatever I want with the 90%. Because this is great, right? This is simple but powerful because that also belongs to God. We must seek his direction and permission for whatever we do with the full amount. So he says we may discover that God has different ideas than we do. So when we know that God owns everything, and then we need to ask ourselves, are we being good stewards? Because we're not the owner. Are we being good stewards with what he has given us? Are we returning to him 10%? He, he allows us to keep 90% to manage, to meet our needs, but are we returning the 10% back to him? So the, the next thing we this, right, is that God commands us to tithe. 
Now, a lot of people think asking people to tithe is some scheme that the church came up with to guilt people into forking over their cash so that the church can pay its bills. That's not what tithing is. That was the selling of indulgences back in the day, right? It's not that in the least, right? God commands us to tithe because, look, tithing shows God and reminds us that he has 100% of our hearts. Right? Tithing is a tangible way of showing God that I'm all in, that I'm all in, that he is the first tithing or the first thing in our life. He's the first priority, right? The, the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, right? The Big Ten, right? The very first of the, of the very Big Ten says this, and God spoke all these words. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? So, so the question has always been, what is the God that I'm tempted to worship? You know, I, I was telling our team this morning, we, we gather for prayer before we, we start our different you know, ministry project, whatever we're, we're entering into that day, wherever we're serving. And, and we, entered, we entered into a, a conversation about the Knights Templar because in the, the Knights Templars, there was a certain segment of them who would get baptized. And as they, they went into the water, what they did is they took their sword out and they would leave their hand out of the water, right? So they would be baptized except for their arm and their sword. Now, I used to think, oh, that's really cool, right? Yeah, get them, right? But listen, right? don't we do that as well? Sometimes, right? right? Because what, essentially what the night, those Knights Templar were saying was, it goes, God, you can have me. You can have my soul. You can have my body. You can have everything about me, who I am, except for this, this arm and this sword. Because, God, I don't need you on the battlefield. What I do there, I don't need you. Right? Don't we do that? Don't we do that, right? We go into the water and you can have everything, but you can't have, for some reason, there's this weird, like, string attached from our wallet to our heart. Right? So we just take that out. You can have my heart, but I'm going to take this, this piece out. Right? And Jesus, he takes it deeper, right? And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what are we, what are we making more important? Right? Money is, is the God that, that will fight the hardest for our devotion. And so God commands our tithe because, listen, look, God won't rest until he's number one in our life. And I don't know about you, again, that's freeing, because I don't want to fortify a God who just gives up. All right? He wants us to understand, he wants us to have him as number one in our life. In Malachi, God was allowing their farmland to wither away. Why? Was it, was it because God needed that extra 4% that they were withholding? No, right? It's because not tithing simply showed the true condition of their heart. So God promised to go after their possession finances and make them worse. Again, why? 
to jar them into getting our hearts back into alignment, right? That is why giving is worship. Not giving to the church, giving to God through the local church we worship at, right? Because that's worship. It's proclaiming with everything, even the thing that we are tempted to leave out of the equation to say, God, you have everything, all yours. I'm just a steward. You're the owner, right? You can say you're a Christian all you want. You can go on a mission trip. You can get involved in a group. You can read the Bible and share your faith. But until God has control over your money, you're just a poser. And I'm preaching to myself here too. Right, listen, I'll be the last person in the world to tell you that this is easy. It's not. I was joking with Daniel. I said, always, always when a preacher preaches on money, they're best. Right? It's just the way that it is. Right? It's hard. It's something, it's something about it. It's painful sometimes. It's so personal. It's weird. Right? And you'll be tempted every single paycheck to say, oh, not this week. It reminds me of a story I once heard about a, a little boy who was walking to church. He had two quarters that he had earned, and he knew he was going to tithe one of those quarters. He was going to give one of those quarters, more than 10% to God, right? And so he had his two quarters, and he was walking to church, and, and as little boys do, right, he, he started taking them out, and he started flipping them in the air, right? And then all of a sudden, one of those quarters, it went way high up. He didn't catch it. It bounced off the sidewalk, and it went down into the sewer, and he was devastated, right? He was devastated. And so he, he got down on his hands and his knees, and he was looking in the grate, and he couldn't reach it. It was just too far. And, and so he, he, he looks up with this, like, long pause. He looks up to God, and he says, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I lost your quarter. <laughs> I get it. I'm not naive, right? Tithing is hard. Dealing with money in general is difficult. But look at what it says in verse 10 again, right? right? Let's just read it again. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is more, no more need. All right, God promises that when we tithe, we'll be better off living on 90% than 100%. Now, you, you've heard of girl math, right? TikTok. You've heard of that, right? It's been on Instagram and TikTok and all that kind of jazz. Well, this is math, right? You will live off better off 90% than 100. Right? Look, living off 90% of your income with the blessing of God all right, forging your life on the God who has created you is way better than living off 100% of your income with no blessing. Because here, again, is the truth. Foundry Church, it's this. You cannot outgive God. You cannot give God. You may feel like returning to 10% to God is a huge ask, but God has so much more to offer you in return. Right, and, and don't miss what else he says in verse 10, right? Right, did, did, you, did you see those pieces there? He says, test me in this, right? God wants his people to test him when it comes to tithing. Isn't that, that amazing? This is an amazing challenge from God. He says, test me, he says, right? You, you think you can't afford to tithe? 
Well, test me, he says. And what we will find is that when we test God, when it comes to tithing, is that we cannot afford not to tithe. <laughs> Again, God math. Right? That, that, this is the only safe way to handle our money as a steward. Jesus once said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and then it will pour into your lap. Right? This, this is not a guarantee of, of getting rich. It's a guarantee. Right? That's where some churches make that mistake. It's, this is not give and get. Right? This is not a, I don't know, forget the term they use, right? The prosperity stuff, right? It's this. It's, it, it, it's, it's not an abundance of this, right? It's, it's an abundance of good work and sufficiency for yourself. It's generosity that transforms, not just pride or ego, right? If you give away 10% of your income and manage the remaining 90% in a godly fashion, God will maybe, just maybe, give us raises, maybe, right? Maybe, just maybe, he will sustain our health so that we can get a job. Maybe he'll, he'll motivate us so we can, we can keep our jobs, right? Right? Maybe if we, if, we, if we give 10% of our income like God has asked us to do, right? return that 10% and we live off of 90 in that godly fashion in the way that he wants us to, and we're going to dig into that next week, maybe, just maybe, I right, hear this one, maybe he'll cause us to lose our job so we'll get off our butts and get the job that he wants us to have. Right? Maybe, maybe he will, will bless us with keeping our job in a difficult economy. Maybe if we do this, if we give 10% and we live off of 90% in the way that he's called us to live, he's going to curb our spending impulses and take that temptation away and free us from that. That's a blessing. That's what we're getting in return. Maybe he's going to give us the desire and the motivation to save because as it says in scripture, it's a good to leave your kids' kids an inheritance. Maybe he'll relieve our anxiety about money. Who wants to sign up for that one? Right? Maybe, he, maybe if we, we give 10% and we live off 90% in a way that he wants us to live, maybe we'll meet a need that no one else can meet in the community of believers that we, we, we forge our life on. Maybe we can meet a need for a brother or a sister in Christ. Maybe he'll lead us to reduce our lifestyle and show us how we can live on less. Maybe he'll give us ideas about how to make more money. Maybe he'll keep on doing unnecessary expenses from arising. Maybe if we do this right, open, he'll open up doors for unexpected sources of revenue that we can work towards. Maybe he'll give us the power to help a husband and a wife work together as a team to accomplish their financial goals by reducing arguing and the anxiety and the blaming of each other. Maybe he'll just give a little bit of freedom there. Maybe he'll open doors for us to get a new job, right? Maybe he'll help, help things that, that we own to sell for a good price in a stagnant economy. Maybe he'll provide the funds to further our education so we can get that job, that dream job, or whatever it is. Right? Listen, I can guarantee that you'll be better off financially giving away 10% and living off 90% and then keeping everything and going at life alone. Because, like he said, like we read, 
He guarantees it. So whatever carrot, Foundry Church, that we're tempted uh, with to stop tithing over and go after and chase, don't do it. Don't do it, right? Because Jesus promised in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, again, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You will be more blessed giving than in focusing on receiving, right? I get these questions a lot. Is tithing mandatory? I'll get that email tomorrow, <laughs> right? Many, many, many respond and they take issue with the idea that tithing being mandatory or required as if something that keeps those of us who forge our life on God in bondage, right? That's the issue of the question. Is tithing mandatory like, like tithing is a bondage? And listen, our God is not about bondage. He's about what? Freedom. Freedom that his grace instills. Right? So, so do God's standards really keep us in bondage? Just like God tells us to keep sex within marriage, to love one another, and to seek first his kingdom, tithing is a blessing to our lives and to something that will help better our lives as well as the lives of others. Listen, we're not saved by works. Right? So I know I'm going to get that question, right? So failing to tithe will not send you to hell, but doing so will help improve your life, like we said, and strengthen your relationship with the God that you forge your life on. I personally don't believe that God will, will curse us if we don't tithe, but I do believe he will help us escape the curse that is already in the, the world if we do. He'll give us freedom in those things that we've already talked about. It's not bondage, it's freedom. It's not something not something taken from us. It's something that we receive. Now, the second, and we already talked about it, but I want to reinforce it again, is is the second question that I always get is, is whether the tithe is only an Old Testament thing or is it also included in the New Testament? And and those scriptures that we read in the New Testament, they they bring it to home, right? As with anything and everything, Jesus takes the Old Testament law and he makes it deeper and more personal, right? The, The scripture most frequently referenced regarded to tithe is the one that we studied, Malachi that Old Testament prophet. But the tithe is also referenced in numerous places in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus, he's talking to the Pharisees, condemning them for tithing to the penny. He's condemning them but because ne- they, they tithe to the, 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 the fraction to the penny, but neglecting the more important issues of justice, mercy, and faith. But then he goes on and he tells them that they should, in fact, tithe. That they, they, they need to tithe, but that they are, they, they shouldn't collect those more important things, right? They were making money their own God in a different way, right? Jesus recognized the importance of keeping the tithe, and we should too, right? There are many practices, like, like look at it like this. There are many practices in the Old Testament that don't make sense to us today, yet many of those ancient ways carry over into the New Testament law, Right into this new grace system that we are a part of as part of Christ's promise to not abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill it in Matthew chapter 5. Right? So for instance, we are no longer, uh, no longer to sacrifice animals. We're not sacrificing animals up here today right? to ask for forgiveness. Right? But as believers, we're called for what? Ourselves as living sacrifices. Because in Romans... Paul takes it deeper. He uses Jesus' example. He takes the Old Testament concept of the Old Covenant, and he takes it deeper. It's about God and our heart. Men no longer are required to be circumcised. 
right? But, but we all have a circumcision of the heart, it says, through the Holy Spirit, right? So we're not circumcised, we're not cut, or we're not required to be, but we are required to take that scaly stuff off of our heart, right? And make God above all. Right? Most of us don't have grain and produce to bring to the storehouse, as it says in the Old Testament. But we do have incomes that we can bring the first tenth into the church. In other words, just, just because something is written in the Old Testament doesn't mean it lacks application to us today, some way or another. While it is true that we are no longer under that old law, that we are under uh, the grace law, God, his son, Jesus, who went into this world for us, Right, we must, we must not forget the purpose of grace to help us live for God, to forge our life on God and to do the things he wants us to do. Right, Romans chapter 8, verse 4 tells us that Jesus came and that the righteous requirement of the law must be met in us, not so that we could altogether dismiss it. And then Romans chapter 3 says this, it talks about how we have righteousness through faith and not through following the law, but verse 31 adds, do we then nullify the law by this faith? He says, no, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. God's grace gives us the power and the ability to do it. So he gives us the power and the ability to tithe. Listen, as we, as we stand, go ahead and stand, and as the band leads us here in closing, It's action, like we talked about. That's the difference between just gratitude, like those lepers last week, and then the action. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. And I love that we, we've been doing it the last couple of weeks at the end of the service because, because it, it, it reminds us, like we said there in Romans, right? Romans chapter 3, it talks about how the righteousness through faith and not through following the law. It's through faith in God and his grace and his truth but then again in verse 31, do we then nullify the law? No, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. God's grace gives us the power and the ability. It's his grace. And so we get to celebrate that. And we're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Give. I don't know if I, if I can do it. Practice spiritual disciplines. I don't know if I can do it and have that conversation that I need to have with my spouse. I don't know if I can do it and invite my friend to church who desperately needs some grace and truth. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can be the parent that God has called me to be. I don't know if I can do it. It's his grace that empowers us. Even with weird things like money. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to sing a song and as as we're singing, as we're worshiping, I want to just take a moment and thank God, pray right where you are. You can pray with your family. Just thank him for who he is. Thank him that he has called us not just to be, not just to, not just to sit in his presence, which is a good thing to sit in his presence. Right? In the Psalms, it says we sit under the, the shadow of his wings almost, right? That's a beautiful imagery. But he's also called us to go out of that shadow with him standing with us side to side. And that's only possible through what his son has done for us, God in the flesh. Because Jesus, he came into this world as a baby. We didn't know what to expect. He lived a life, a perfect life like no one else could live. And he went to the cross, ushering in the fulfillment of the old, the, the beginning of a new. Grace.
truth. Again, if you call Jesus your Lord, if you're forging your life on him, communion is that. So after you pray, after you thank him, come out to the sides and take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice because like he says in that room with his disciples, he broke a loaf of bread and he said, take it, eat, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of his grace, of his truth, of who he is, how he helps us to go deeper and to be and to have action. And then he says, take a glass of this wine. This is a new covenant. I've fulfilled the old. This is a new covenant, a new way of living, even a new way of God math, right? So take communion and then go back to your seat and we'll continue to worship together.